0: Welcome to Infinite Insights, the podcast designed for all TK-12 math teachers.
1: I'm Maggie Peters, math consulting teacher for the Rincon Valley School District here in Northern California.
0: And I'm Dwayne Habecker, math coordinator for Merced County Office of Education.
1: Every other week, Dwayne and I will share a new math research study or article or some other mathy thing. We'll talk it over, bounce some ideas off of each other, and think about how to implement it in the classroom. So, how are you today, Mr. Duane?
0: <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm...
1: I've been digging um, this, so the question today is what do we know about memorization and learning math, mm-hmm. or mathematics, yes. um, and uh, I don't know, I dig this because it's like, to me, I've done a lot of research on brain images and how brains learn math and all that stuff, so this is kind of right up my alley. All right.
0: Well, let's f- fill in all the all the the uh, you know the listeners on what we've been doing, and then we'll jump into question four. So, uh, and I'll kind of give the background. So, everybody who's listening, uh, if if we're kind of you have the sense that you're jumping into this movie midway, it's because you are. Uh, we started with uh, a report from OECD back in the day, uh, actually the PISA. Right? Run by the OECD. And uh, our good friend Eric Lee suggested that we talk about this report, right? And, and it, the PISA breaks this down into 10 questions that math teachers can learn or answer by using that PISA data. And today we are on question four. So, Maggie, what's today's question?
1: Uh, what do we know about memorization and learning mathematics?
0: That's right. And so, what do we know, Maggie?
1: <laughs> I don't know. I can't remember.
0: <laughs> oh, that's lame. <laughs>
1: I have to throw something in, you know, keeping it lively.
0: Oh, um, gosh.
1: So, basically, this article goes through and they asked a bunch of kids how, you know, they measured memorization strategies in, in learning math and, um, And it looked at, you know, how prevalent math memorization is and, um, you know, who uses it the most across the countries and stuff. So um, I guess the first thing that I should share is that a lot of this data indicate that students who rely on memorization alone may be successful with the easiest math problems, um, but they may struggle on a deeper understanding of math concepts.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we know because, you know, common sense that there's mathematics always requires some level of memorization. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, 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 the question is, well, what should students memorize and when should they memorize and how much should they memorize? And, and the um, PISA, it gives us some sort of insight into those kinds of things that uh, we know that uh, if we're asking our kids to learn some low-level content, that memorization is an effective tool for helping uh, our students learn that, that, con- that low-level stuff. Uh, but as the, the mathematics gets more difficult, uh, memorization becomes less and less effective. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And you and I had talked a little earlier about relating that to something more understandable and and I I keep going back to the a play. If you're getting prepared to perform in a play, um, you know, you're kind of a good actor if you can memorize them and really you know, kind of stick to your lines, but you're an amazing actor and can take it further when you, you're not having to focus on word for word of your lines, but can really own it and become the character.
0: Right, right. And the idea is connecting that to mathematics is, you know, students who um, don't really have to think in deep uh, in depth about each step, but Instead, they have that immediate automaticity mm-hmm. that frees them up and uh, from that, that cognitive load of thinking about the arithmetic and those kinds of computations and it gives them more time, and more cognitive processing power <laughs> for the deeper stuff, the deeper mathematical reasoning.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And share with, with our listeners, I guess like what your takeaway was about the, the anxiety, which, I thought was pretty interesting as well. Well,
0: in the article, I I want everybody to go to our listener notes, you know, and read this article themselves as well. But feel free to use our episode as a, I don't know, like a pre-read activity to kind of get their juices flowing. But um, a key thing, a couple of key takeaways that I I had uh, was, well, first off, who uses memorization the most? So we know that we have 35 OECD countries that participated in the PISA, and uh, you know you've got that OECD average uh, of all the 35 countries, and the uh, in the United States it relies on memorization as per you know student feedback and teacher feedback. Uh, the United States uses relies on memorization more than the OECD average of the 35 countries, and that we see some of the higher performing countries tend to rely on memorization less than the OECD average. So that's that's one thing is, okay, so the United States might be on the wrong side of this memorization spectrum, so to speak. And then um, when we dig into the student level and we see, okay, what kinds of students are using memorization, so irrespective of country. And what we learn is that the students who tend to use memorization more are the students who report a greater mathematics anxiety, and that the students who have a higher self-efficacy in mathematics, you know, the students who feel strong as mathematicians, they report using uh, using memorization far less often. So there's this connection that our teachers need to consider is Memoriza- memorizing or an, uh, an over-reliance on memorization may contribute in some fashion to math anxiety, which we spent an episode earlier mm-hmm. talking about how to avoid, right?
1: right? Right, and I think it's because it inhibits the fluency or the flow of, of math when you're so worried about the lower-level activities being memorized.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I think when you have this over-reliance on memorization... Uh, that contributes to the anxiety as the um, added things that need to be memorized without really understanding them continually gets piled on the kid, piled on the kid, more things to memorize, more things to memorize that eventually this kid is having a hard time kind of like holding on to a bunch of tennis balls. Eventually those tennis balls start to get dropped because these are things that are being just arbitrarily memorized without really understanding them yeah yeah yeah. and that the and that's why memorization may be contributing to math anxiety and that Mm -hmm. if we can help kiddos um focus on learning for real that those are that's those are tennis balls that they don't have to worry about carrying because they're internalized
1: exactly and you know you had mentioned that we were in the top area of you know we as United States, I guess we use a lot of memorization, and I was surprised because I thought that like East Asian countries would be up in that memorization because I had always heard the the stereotypical like oh they sit and memorize math all the time, but according to this study, um, they actually fewer students in East Asian countries. Did I say Africa?
0: No, I think you said Asia. Okay.
1: (laughs) Um, Okay. The countries, they reported uh, that they use memorization as a learning strategy, but not for everything. And that really surprised me, actually.
0: Yeah. It turns out they're actually teaching for understanding rather Mm -hmm. than just telling their kids to be little robots and memorize arbitrarily.
1: Exactly. Which, you know, goes along with their test scores as well. Mm-hmm. They, they're really understanding the math so they can apply it in some of these higher level questions that PISA asks.
0: Yep. We also learned that, uh, you know, boys are less likely to rely on memorization than girls. So the idea is, um, man, we talked about gender equity and, and as, as it pertains to math in a couple of earlier episodes and this is just another aspect of that is um, we we're kind of learning teaching for understanding is better than rote memorization and we're learning that boys tend to rely on that rote memorization less often so there's this I don't know amplifying effect that's going on to create that gender gap between boys and girls
1: Which is crazy. I'd love to see brain scans of boys versus girls doing the same thing. Um, Uh, Just to see what's lighting up and what's not and the reasons why.
0: Right, right. So, So, go ahead.
1: I was just going to say, I'd love to move on because this is fascinating to me. Like, I get lots of people, you know, expect kids to memorize um, math things, math facts, math, you know... um, Oh, gosh. I don't know, word problems, that kind of thing. Um, but how can we help balance that with the conceptual understanding for students? That's what I, I'm i really interested in.
0: Oh, yeah. Do you have any thoughts first before I start busting out?
1: Well, some? I mean, just some of the suggestions by PISA, um, you know, really just encourage students to complement those memorization strategies with other learning strategies, or sorry, complement memorization with other learning strategies for instance like instead of just memorizing your multiplication facts maybe you know look at how how groups of numbers are i don't know can make friendly numbers into groups of 10 or you know like the little strategies we've been teaching in common core
0: yeah you know today in fact this very day i received a. Uh, an email and a teacher, uh, she was actually a director of curriculum in some state to the east. (laughs) And she was asking my opinion on fluency and how I respond to that. And uh, they were asking the difference uh, for my input on the difference between memorizing and using strategies really fast. And she said, for example, one of her colleagues suggested that he does not memorize, he did not memorize six times seven is 42. Rather, his strategy is to say, well, three groups of seven is 21. Mm -hmm. Therefore, six groups of seven must be twice as much, which is 42. And that his question was, if if he's really fast with that learning strategy for how to get six times seven, does he need to go one step further and memorize? And uh, my answer, (laughs) right or wrong, (laughs) was um, know that (laughs) learning strategies, when a learning strategy is efficient and it's accurate and it's an appropriate learning strategy, that can take the place of uh, memorization because that's, to me, a more powerful uh, learning skill for the kid to have, now he's an adult, than to just memorize without really understanding. Mm -hmm. Uh, It
1: takes you further places than just the... You know six times three or whatever it was or seven times
0: three right right so the big deal that for teachers is we never ever ever want memorization without learning strategies that memorization <laughs> memorization is okay if it's partnered with appropriate learning strategies i think that's the the big takeaway for me yeah, especially as it you know, connects to kids who might be having math anxiety is we can relieve that math anxiety by less emphasizing the memorization and more emphasizing the learning strategies to go along with it.
1: Right. And I think to to kind of piggyback on that, if it's if the information is just memorized and the kid and the student does feel anxiety, all of that because of the natural processes of of us the fight or flight instinct goes away you know they can't they can't pull that from their brain and their ability to organize math facts or recall pairs you know recall any anything is gone because it's in the the area that has been now compromised for survival (laughs) so to speak Oh gosh. I know that sounds extreme, but that your, your brain doesn't understand the difference between the stress of a math fact versus the stress of running away from a lion. It, right. it looks as that as the same thing.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking of my, I don't know, 30 years of teaching and I'm thinking, yeah, I've perpetuated that. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm thinking of, of all the times I've been complicit, complicit in <laughs> causing that experience with my kids. Right. It's killing me. <laughs>
1: well, and I still look at, at teachers who are using the Times math tests to get them to memorize their facts. And it's, I think it's not because they want to harm their students, but they don't have a better way to help them right. understand those. Right. Um, you know, so I think they need to use those memorization strategies to build familiarity and confidence, you know? Start off slow, give them some strategies like we just said, and then as soon as they start feeling confident, they'll start, you know, hopefully going further and memorizing some of the other things.
0: Sure, like using that that low-level skills, using memorization to get that low-level skill, but then not being satisfied with that. Exactly. And instead, using that memorization as a launching pad for consolidating their understanding in deeper, more meaningful concepts, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be boring, you know. So when we're doing that memorization time, especially when it's paired with learning strategies, important learning strategies, they can play games. Mm-hmm. Um, they can. There's a lot of software and video games. Then a lot of things that kids can do interactive games on paper and pencil, interactive games on screens, um, a lot of things that kids can fluency do. Fluency
1: activities.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, you know, number talks.
0: Yeah, yeah. Using our Eureka Math, you know, we could even, our, those those fluency activities from specifically the Eureka Math curriculum, which, by the way, I don't know if you knew this, Maggie, but uh, Student Achievement Partners was, uh, they put out a while ago, um, you know, things that you can use to supplement your current curriculum. And I kind of peaked. I think they were saying this one article was things you could do to supplement your Pearson. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings if you're a Pearson lover, but I kind of opened it up to see, well, how are they augmenting fluency for Pearson? It was all Eureka Math fluency activities. (laughs) It was kind of cool. I was like, oh, score.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. I saw some kindergarten um, teachers... Bringing the kids in from recess using um, happy counting. <laughs>
0: oh, nice! You're
1: welcome, yeah. Nice. Anyway.
0: And then um, the last thing that teachers can do, bringing it all home. I think we're going to finish this episode in less than 25 minutes. Don't this change. Because
1: I know.
0: For teachers, you know, given this tension between memorization and learning strategies the thing that teachers can do is to just really uh, pay attention to how their students learn. And you want to explain why?
1: Um because if you know how your students learn, you can avoid, you know, or you can pinpoint who's prone to anxiety or who, you know, which will lead you to who who is like really leaning on that memorization skills. And you know, if you know that, then you can pull them into a small group and give them a little bit more of a nudge. You can you know, take advantage of their strengths and then work with it.
0: Yep. Like if we imagine a spectrum on one side is memorization and on the opposite side is learning strategies. And that if we understand that memorization is connected to math anxiety, and that learning strategies is connected to like math power, you know, feelings of math competency, that when we notice a student using memorization as the, the main skill, we need to be aware that that student is now prone to math anxiety and that we can address that in advance proactively by saying, Hi, student, I see that you're using a lot of m- memorization. Let me help you. In- UDL. Yep. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> pro- yeah, exactly. Exactly. Let's provide for you options. And um, There's the UDL options on how we can nudge you towards that learning strategy side and away from math anxiety. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think that's when we can start bringing in manipulatives or, um, you know, pre-practice of ideas, um, you know, give them accommodations until they really understand the depth of the math and then help them move on with those scaffolds until they're ready.
0: Yeah, you, you just caused me to think, you know, students who are just rotely memorizing. Okay, so they're memorizing the abstract and we need to remember that there's the concrete and the representational mm-hmm. stages as well. And that if a student is dwelling in the abstract from a rote memorization point of view that we can help that student um, attach learning strategies to that abstract by taking a step back toward the representational stage Mm -hmm. and then maybe even an an additional step back towards the concrete stage and kind of make meaningful the stuff that the student is trying to memorize.
1: I agree. There is a website that, um, it's kind of, it has a lot of sales pitches and stuff like that, but they also have a really good, um, it's called all kinds of Minds, And, um, It has ideas for mastery of math facts, like how it affects attention and how it affects memory or the memory's effects on those kinds of things. And they give a ton of helpful hints. So it kind of gives you a teacher as well. And we'll put the link in um, the blog post so you can kind of check them out too. But it's all the things that we've been talking about and what OED was saying as well. Awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, I I think it's time to wrap up this edition of Infinite Insights. So Maggie, what are your closing thoughts?
1: My closing thoughts are memorization is good to a certain point, but it doesn't help your kids um, get deeper into the subject of math. So to really help them go further is to help complement, you know, those memorization skills with strategies.
0: I like it. How about you, Duane? Well, for me, uh, you just stole my answer, so I'm going to add another one, which is keeping in mind previous episodes of math anxiety and gender gaps that um, we need to, in addition to having some sort of memorization, we need to move also, pair that memorization with learning strategies so that we can attend to math anxiety and those gender gaps
1: great job yeah and you say that and now i'm thinking oh my gosh like half of our episodes all relate they all keep going back to the same thing
0: <laughs> yeah udl math anxiety and gender gaps
1: Exactly, <laughs> what are we doing
0: <laughs> we're gonna have to rename our episodes
1: i, know. Uh,
0: <laughs> I mean our, our uh our channel because this <laughs> podcast is all about the same three dar- darn thing.
1: <laughs> even so, though we're thinking it's different anyway
0: so it's not infinite insights it's three insights <laughs> <laughs> it's like great <laughs> I love it I love it alright all right. No. so don't forget to hit that subscribe button everybody so if you haven't already done so please you know just okay take a second before the, the surprise ending pause the episode <laughs> There there is no surprise ending but don't tell anybody that so just uh, hit that subscribe button because it's important to us uh, and it makes me feel more important than I really am. And you could definitely send us a shout out on Twitter. I'm at Habecker and Maggie is at PeleLover1.
1: And with that, as usual, have a wonderful, <laughs> mathematically gifted week
0: without memorization. And we will see you all. <laughs> you do do need to memorize this. We will see you all every other Monday here at Infinite Insights.
1: Take care.
0: Bye-bye.